Weep, O children of the dust, as all the stars in the sky are blinded to your plight. Welcome to the Shattered Cosmos. Uh, I am Waffle. I will be your GM for this uh, brand new hiatus adventure, courtesy of the Alchemist Club. Joining me here today, we have... Daniel. Hey, all. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. Uh, for those of you who did not catch our riveting Session Zero episode, this is going to be a hiatus game while Joe is away at uh, important doctorate business things. Uh, and this is going to be played in the system Worlds Without Number. So uh, it's a old school revival, uh, a little bit different than what you're used to, but all the usual hallmarks of uh, D&D and fantasy are there. Uh, it's going to get a little weird. We'll get into the exact details of how the setting differs from your typical fantasy as we proceed. Um, I think uh, I will wait for character introductions until uh, it becomes pertinent. So, uh, yeah, jumping right in. Uh, you are all, of course, uh, condemned. Uh, you were accused, guilty or otherwise, of crimes against Sharoon, the grand citadel from which the Lord of Gold rules. These crimes, so severe in nature were they, that you were condemned to a salvage crew, those hapless and luckless fools who get sent out into the Howling City in search of riches or treasures not yet pilfered by greedy hands or the passing of time. Hoping, maybe, that you could find some treasure grand enough that the Lord of Gold and its underlings would allow you back into society. You have been traveling for a number of days now since you left the safety of the city walls. Now, for some of you, of course, the Howling City is not the uh, desolate death trap that so many rumor it to be, and you know that this is a place of vibrant life and undiscovered wonder just as much as it is teeming with danger your uh, salvage crew consists of yourselves a few other condemned prisoners uh, much like yourselves who uh, erred or transgressed in some way against Sharoon and caught the ire of uh, somebody important and lastly your warden uh, this is a uh, low-ranking soldier or official of the Lord of Gold. Uh, their name is Cyrus, and uh, he is a uh, what is known as a shaped. And so this is uh, a human who has, through either uh, personal devotion or monetary donation, attained enough favor with the Lord of Gold to undergo some sort of cosmetic reshaping and as these shaped gain more prestige and more renown uh, they will continue to be sort of molded and changed in ways that are increasingly alien so this uh this warden is sort of strikingly pretty which is odd given their brutish nature and overall lack of concern for your lives and they have an odd angularity to their face that you really only notice in certain angles or certain light. Um, the most striking feature of the shaped uh, 
uh, and one that you have grown intimately familiar with as you've been uh, yelled at and uh, threatened and spurred onward towards your destination is that they have uh, amazing pitch. There's a sort of musical or sing-song quality to their voices, which can be uh, very at odds with them threatening to uh, string you up and uh, rip out your innards and all of those sorts of uh, lovely workplace motivators, as they call them in Sharoon. So after your journey for a couple days out here through the ruins of the Howling City, uh, this vast arcology of ages gone by, you finally reached your destination. Uh, whether Cyrus got this treasure map from a close confidant or the rumor in the market or stole it from some condemned prisoner or other, he seems fairly certain that whatever you are currently laboring under the harsh sun to excavate will be worth his time, if not necessarily yours. And so, finally, the crack of your makeshift shovels and picks uh, chopping and hacking through ancient concrete gives way to the crumbling of stone and the smell of deep and stagnant depths as the ground gives way. And you can see that uh, this particular entrance you have unearthed appears to lead into a long, dark tunnel that stretches off into the gloom below. And your understandably hesitant uh, pause to look back up and think, hey, maybe we need some additional equipment or a lantern or like a rope is met mostly with the barrel of a gun. And so it is that uh, our unlikely gang finds themselves uh, dropping into this tunnel, shortly followed almost begrudgingly by a small pack of supplies thudding to the ground and then a uh, sweet melodic voice that says, only return here when you find something worth your lives. Meandering thoughts, how a submachine, dark gun, whilst watching the mine. What the what? <laughs> uh, so yeah, now's a good time as any to go around the horn and... Uh, <laughs> As you stumble upright uh, in this pack, there are uh, a number of torches, and you are able to strike one of these, or one among you, I think, is able to produce flame. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll strike up torch. Boom. All right. Uh, your well, it's uh, real dark. Yeah, yeah. You are all in this little bubble of light here with the. Uh, only the skylight above that you have recently created. Uh, go. Who are each of you? Well, I was about to say, go ahead well. with the meandering thoughts there. So. <laughs> my, my character's name is Michigan. He's from the Land of Lakes. Uh, an adventurer, expert warrior. Um, he can only speak in haikus. And... He's been thrown in here by Axe, well, from, they think he committed a murder, just based on some physical evidence, but he definitely didn't do it. And now he is stuck here, 
until his sentence is carried out. All right, Daniel. And I am playing a character with no name. And he introduces himself. He says, I, I do not have a name. Um, I have but only an identity tied to someone who died long ago, whose name was Alabaster. Um, I was not given a name, uh, but you may call me Alabaster. And with that, he he thanks um, he thanks Zach's character for lighting the way. No problem, bud. Uh, I am playing uh, Scopernicus Wickham's goes by Skip. Uh, he is a uh, partially feline humanoid, uh, one of the felids uh, of this place. I I'm down here because I asked too many questions. Uh, I was all set, ready to be a great hunter. Then it turns out I have magic, and so they put me into Mage College to learn to be a healer, and I was doing fine. But then. Well, I was just like, why does this work? Why is religion the way that it is? Why, why is the Gilded Lord the way that the Gilded Lord is? And apparently that's heresy. So, yeah, now I'm, now I'm here. Uh, and hoping one day I will not be here. So, yeah. Alabaster uh, scoffs, you humans in your simple crimes involving speech and what is what is okay what is what is what is moral what is proper it's uh, not, it's not a human <laughs> pointing yeah, to not, zach's character i'm not not really oh. human yeah <laughs> I, i'm definitely very very much a, a furred creature with like a cat-like face uh, my apologies I, i'm i'm you, just uh, like a, a beige furred Desert cat. You mortals, you fleshy beings, <laughs> and yep. your your uh, your ideas of what is proper and what is not. There is there is only function. What does alabaster look like then? Alabaster <laughs> looks like a fair-haired, uh, um, brown-eyed man. <laughs> but he's saying this. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I, he says, "I too am here for a minor crime, and it's it's murder. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a just a little bit just, of murder. Just a minor murder. Just you know, like yeah, like a quirky I... little murder. Yeah, not even a crime. The world is a better place. <laughs> okay, then. Truly, he was holding up the functioning of the world. Oh well, my character is a human." He's got like long black hair with a top knot and like a really thin mustache. And then Matt, have we heard from? Yep. No. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and I am... Who else we got? So I'm Narek Shadespear. Um, he's a mercenary. Uh, seems to be some sort of former soldier of some sort. Um, and he's been doing odd jobs around. Uh, the world and has been in the Howling City before, but by by choice or so, um, and just kind of just doing different odd jobs while also getting into the inner workings of the uh, city and um, 
trying to get into, uh, you know, the Lord of Gold's uh, inner circles and whatnot. And the reason he's here is because he was breaking into the archives and basically the 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 history i don't know what you would call it waffle but like just where where like all the like historical archives and artifacts of the of the just city were were kept oh yeah okay um yeah there would definitely be like a central repository where uh not necessarily just knowledge is kept but specifically knowledge that is best left to those wise enough to interpret it aka yeah. inconvenient truths yes and um didn't exactly go quietly when he was caught either so <laughs> okay um, if, it, if it were possible um there's there's a slight softening in alabaster's face when he realizes why um uh matt's character is Nick. here uh, Narek. Narek. Why, yes. why Narek is here? I, I too am a seeker of truth. And he gives you a slight nod, a solemn nod. What what truth do you seek? I seek the truth of this world, the truth of its uh, founding, the truth of its destruction, and the truth of how to save it, if it can be saved. Oh. Huh. That's a lot of truth. <laughs> he's a he's a lot. He's got some lofty ideals. He's got a lot of time <laughs> um, to do it, though. Like, no, no, no. But he also seems he says it kind of emptily. Like oh. you don't you don't feel a whole lot of, um, you don't feel much behind it. Mm. Oh, and uh, Narek is is a man as well. He's got a kind of like a longer bushy beard and. Uh, Kind of like a a really short, uh, not like a buzz, but just really short hair, but then a long, longer beard. Um, and then uh, the only other noticeable thing, which is interesting considering they were in, they were captive, is that he has a necklace on with a type of like dragon-like creature pendant. And it almost seems like, because when he moves and stuff, it barely any part of the necklace moves. It's almost like it's bound to his skin. All right. Uh, so yeah, the the lot of you are uh, joined down here by one other prisoner who has survived the journey of the group that initially set out towards this distant ruin. Some were picked off by beasts while hunting firewood. Uh, others maybe took their chances out in the ruins and fled. There was one particularly foolhardy individual who attempted to get the drop on Cyrus and paid for it with their lives. And so the one man who has survived long enough to join you down here in the tunnel uh, is named Appa. And they have the sort of shuffling blank look of somebody who is far out of their element. And this is uh, no doubt the worst week of their life. And then you can hear them uh, whenever they would sleep, tossing and turning fitfully, uh, murmuring and whimpering about how it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I swear it wasn't me. And uh, 
he he stays out of the cheery light of your torch lurking in the back uh sullen and sunken uh scrabbling through the rubble here as though gold coins might miraculously leap into his hands and buy his freedom but you are all seasoned enough to know that uh the howling city this vast arcology that spans many many miles across the surface of spite is an ancient city one that has been picked over by countless conquerors and kings and that the only treasures left to this place are the ones that lie in the dangerous depths below and the tunnel beckons ahead of you what all we got in this pack other than a torch is there anything so, at all um, useful Honestly, no. <laughs> um, there is a torch, a couple of empty glass vials, and maybe like two bedrolls. Uh, this is not the most well-outfitted scavenging crew you've seen, but uh, no expense was spared on Cyrus's kit. Uh, both their a gleaming lord blessed handgun that they are very fond of waving around but also the uh workplace motivation uh fixtures around your necks uh, <laughs> the best way to ensure that a warden is not stabbed in the back in their sleep is uh to simply fit everybody with explosives it turns out and so you have been uh let off the leash for now but you know, uh, based on the blinking lights on the side of this metal plate, that if you do not return to Cyrus within three days, uh, they'll detonate. And that's Michigan takes a, oh, pretty ahead. universally fatal. Yeah. Michigan takes a look into the backpack and says, meandering thoughts and the signaling doomed torch out of prisoner. <laughs> Good God. Sure. <laughs> You, you suspect Why? that one among your number has been in the desert sun a slightly too long. <laughs> yeah, well, at least, you know, we're in the shade. Yeah. Ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty nice temperature down here right now. Um, Is there a specific... Is Are we at a dead end and we can only go one yeah, direction? Yeah, so or? it looks like uh, basically behind you there's a rubble ramp that you have uh, tumbled your way down and then mm. ahead of you is a pretty long looking tunnel uh, your torch certainly doesn't cast any light onto the end of it it's probably somewhere in the ballpark of 30 feet wide so a pretty sizable tunnel well either we either we get this over with or we die so <laughs> Shall we? Definitely, definitely not looking to die, so uh, away we go. Yeah. Solid uh, logic. Yeah, what is your marching order here? Like, who's going to be out in front, and then who's bringing up the rear? And then where's the torch? Uh, oh, I thought we all had torches. Considering I've been here a fair amount, I, I wouldn't care to be in the front, so <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with being in the front. Okay. Severe wintertime, a human cold life descend because of the death. 
So Ichiban's hey. in, the, in the front as well, <laughs> is what I'm gathering. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, uh, I will be right behind them, and unless one of them takes the torch, I will be uh, holding it over okay. so they can see still, so yeah, yeah. they won't have their shadows to worry about. But Okay. And a little bit slower than you'd imagine, now Abaster brings up the rear. Yeah. Uh, Appa will also be lurking in the back. Uh, he he doesn't have a, a scavenger's eye, but he does stop every so often to uh, dig through the rubble. And what he lacks in experience, he makes up for in the earnest desire to find something to prevent him dying. I'd like to make a no check to see if Appa is a seven foot tall flying bison. <laughs> you haven't seen him fly, but, you know. Anything's possible. Is I mean, is he is he robust? He's uh, if you had to hazard a guess, some kind of day laborer or other lower class worker of some kind. He's got okay a little bit of muscle on him. Uh, certainly, the sort of starved and weary body of someone who has seen better days and had better luck, but. Overall, you, you would guess that this is his first time outside of Sharoon, outside of the walls and the safety and the uh, benevolence of the Lord of Gold, as capricious as that benevolence may be. But okay. yeah, he seems stalwart enough. As you're heading along through this tunnel here... Um, you can see it very clearly man-made. Uh, the sides are uh, smooth, interlocked bricks. And curiously, running along the floor are two parallel sets of old, rusted metal bars. Mm. And they seem to stretch off uh, for quite some distance ahead of you, never converging or wavering always side by side lovely okay carrying along a little further ahead the tunnel itself has some interesting acoustics and you can hear drops of water in the distance and the sound of things scuffling against stone every so often you'll spot a little bit of motion here or there as your torchlight disturbs some beetle or grub or other grazing animal none of these would make particularly good rations but uh they also don't seem to be that much of a threat so you're able to proceed without too much issue the first thing you come across that indicates maybe cyrus was onto something and this isn't just going to be another bombed out ruin is a spot in the tunnel where it looks as though these metal bars have been uprooted from the ground by some terrible force and tied into a knot around each other. And these long parallel strips of metal have broken clean and then through either someone with a titanic amount of strength or um, something more mystical has twisted and rearranged them into 
almost like crude bars on a cage or something that you would do to try to block the tunnel or otherwise prevent people from going through it. This would ordinarily not be much of a problem since the gaps in the bars are wide enough that you could wiggle through or you could certainly step between them. One thing you do notice, however, is that there are a couple of corpses scattered around this strange metal effigy. Oh, okay. Um... Are they wearing similar clothes as us? <laughs> it's you exactly. Uh, <laughs> you fall oh. into the time loop and die. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> no, it's... Um, these are... First of all, I'll say the bodies are pretty badly charred. It looks like they have been hit with quite a lot of fire or some other incendiary effect that has cooked them. Uh, they also don't appear to be human. Oh. How many arms and legs do they have? Uh, they're uh, bipedal, but there's a sort of odd musculature to it. Uh, if somebody was... Uh, a wizened sage or one or two more time to skill check. Yeah, I'll roll notice. Okay. Uh, so, for those of you following along at home with your own character, uh, in Worlds Without <laughs> Number, the way that skill checks are done is it is 2d6 plus your skill rank plus a relevant attribute modifier. So, in this case, I would take intelligence, let's say. Okay, cool. Uh, that's a total of nine. Okay. Yeah, these are, if you had to generally categorize them, some kind of avian humanoid or demi-human. It's always a little bit unclear the exact taxonomy of what is a human and what is not a human after so many centuries of wild magic and science run amok and mutations. But generally, if you think of it as like a spectrum where humans are at one end as like a solid, like, oh, yes, that's definitely a human. Felids would be somewhere a little more towards the middle. And then these things would be more towards the left side where they're very clearly a regressed or degenerated humanoid in some way they are, are they uniform in appearance or yes. okay yeah 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 mm -hmm. uh, there's three of these corpses they look uh again kind of avian beaks hunched postures their <laughs> forearms are much shorter and stubbier than uh, like they're not proportional to their bodies necessarily and they have uh, sort of vestigial <laughs> wing structures a lot of this has been burned away, of course, but and they're they all got enough of are, it. are they all centered around the the effigy? Yeah, uh, so one of them is they're all pretty clustered close to it. Uh, specifically, they are on your side. There's none of them on the far side of the effigy. Oh, okay. Um. Hmm. I'd like to roll a notice again on this effigy. Yeah. To see if, like, there are obvious ports where flames would shoot out the other end of it. <laughs> right, yeah, um, okay. That, that kind of thing. Yeah, go for it. Uh, that's a 10. Okay. 
at first glance, this is just like all the rest of the metal you've seen around here, sort of rusted and decrepit and shows no evidence of complex inner workings or magic runes or anything of that nature. But what you do notice is that uh, the dust around it behaves oddly, uh, particularly suspended between some of these metal lattices uh, motes of dust that your torchlight catches are suspended perfectly in midair or uh, captive in some sort of field. And uh, in particular, it seems to have like an attractive or like it collects these particles and sticks them to the surface. Huh. But some uh, of them are suspended in the air? Yes. Uh, okay. They're just kind of generally swirling around it. But okay. uh, some of them have clung to the surface and made a little like coating. Okay. Um. Hmm. Is it is it blocking our way? Should we just? It is in the way. Um, oh. you could you could move past it, uh, but you would potentially come into contact with this yeah. tangle. Zach, do you, does your character share what you notice with us? or? Oh, yeah. It's doing something funky with the dust. It's like, I don't know. It's messing with it. My character is going to walk up to Cyrus and say, ruins excavate a grand uh, abundance Cyrus, despite the treasure. So Cyrus isn't with you. Um, oh. Yeah, he <laughs> basically he threw you into a pit and like threatened you with a gun and said, "Go find me something shiny, or you can't come oh. back out." Oh, so we have three days to find something. Yes, mm -hmm. we die. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I pick up a rock and I kind of throw it by one of. I, I want to throw it at one of like the holes or whatever. Okay. Um. Yeah. As you toss this stone, um. Uh, it tumbles along for a moment and then hits one of these suspected fields or regions, and there is a sudden blinding arc of blue light that skips between uh, these two separate chunks of uh, long bars. And uh, this process goes for several seconds and moves between a sort of teal blue color up into a purple spectrum and then the rock which stopped the moment it hit this field and began to float uh kind of separates at the seams into a small scatter of gravel oh okay well i don't think i want to walk through that <laughs> no meandering thoughts for fear electrocution whilst waiting for <laughs> <laughs> okay Thanks. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Hmm. And this is our only way forward. It looks, given the tunnel that you're currently in, like this is the the route forward. Um, okay. I, these bars are not placed so uniformly that you couldn't sort of press up against one wall and slip by or try to find a spot where these two segments aren't in parallel and generating this hazardous field. Um, Is it's... alabaster conductive? 
Alabaster is going to rack his um, his memory for some knowledge of this phenomenon. Sure. Um, and roll a no check. Okay. And that's modified by uh, intelligence. Yeah. So give or... me like a give me a no intelligence. So uh, your okay. no skill plus your intelligence modifier plus two d six. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. I was rolling a d20 for... Yeah, this, gonna get a roll. this Habit. is going to get weird. Yeah, it's like, oh, I got a, I got a 23 on no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. Reroll. Okay. So, a six. Okay. You have some vague knowledge somewhere in your mind that whether this is a fanciful story that you were told once upon a time or maybe this is some deeper programmatic logic nestled deep in your heart you remember a time when people would move to and fro in these tunnels not on their feet as you do now but gliding along in vast metal carriages and these things that were called rails would be of utmost importance to their day. Okay. Okay. So I, I would know that... I would know more than just metal carts traveling on rails. But I, I would know that they're powered by electricity. Yeah. Uh, likely something a little more esoteric than just straight electricity. It would be some sort of imbued gravitational force. Okay. Uh, but likely the effects would be similar to being electrocuted, except more okay. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, I relate what I remember to the party um, and suggest we don't touch them. Emphasis, yeah. do not touch. Immediately, a drawn metal part moving, watching the travel. <laughs> Is there a cart nearby? Look around for a cart. Uh, yeah. Now that you now that you know what you're looking for, off to the side there is a fairly sizable metal husk that you originally took to be just a another piece of debris or something, but sort of sizing it up from one end to the other, uh, based on Alabaster's fanciful descriptions, uh, you do. You can kind of see how this would fit down into these so-called rails. Uh, it would take a little bit of effort to move this onto them, just given its size, but uh, potentially doable. Well, that's why I have exert. Yeah! <laughs> All right. So I go over and I start pulling or pushing the cart. <laughs> the... You were going to say, I'm going to go over and start exerting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, is anybody else assisting with this, or yeah, I was just with it. Okay. Sure, for whatever it's worth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you, you over there place one hand on it, like yes, go, you <laughs> do it. Uh, Narek, go ahead and take a plus two on this because you've got uh, some other people helping you out. All right. Cool. That is a total of ten. Okay. It is. 
lighter than you would expect, but still a pain in the ass to move. And it takes probably a good 10 minutes of straining and scraping. And finally, uh, as soon as you get this thing close to the rails, it is a little bit miraculous the way that it's sucked immediately up into their aura or domain or whatever you want to call it. The cart lurches to the side and then stops dead in the middle of these rails, bobbing gently up and down. Huh. God starts pointing to it and grunting. (laughs) (laughs) It was an haiku. (laughs) Can I get up into the cart? Yeah, it wobbles gently beneath your steps and... um, even just the small amount of your like stepping onto it, that momentum, it starts to drift forward ever so slightly. I I take a seat down in it and I look incredibly pleased with myself. <laughs> if it fits, I sit. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Hey, maybe this thing will straighten out the the knot right up there. You know, maybe we give it like a good a good push. I say he's sitting inside it. Shocked that you didn't want to try this without being inside of it first, like pushing it through, but you It'll know, be fine. whatever you want to do, man. Like, look, I, maybe we need like something to weigh it down. Like, you know, it's kind of floaty. <laughs> All right. So you're going to basically give this card a running shove at the tangle and see what happens. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Skip, are you gonna be inside while this occurs? I, I will. I will hop out and okay. help. I I will help push. All right. Uh, so you you pull the cart back a little bit to get it, you know, enough of a run up that you can get it up to speed, and then a little bit of cajoling here and there to get everybody to assist. Uh, even the ever dour Appa uh, provides some brute force there at the end. You get this cart moving up to a pretty decent little jog and then uh, send it off towards its inevitable demise and it goes slamming into these uh, energized rails. And as it does so, there's a very strange effect where the cart tries to... uh, Multiple sets of those rails, wherever they overlap, all try to take possession of the cart at the same time. And... Because they're all pulling opposite one another, the cart itself disintegrates in a spray of shrapnel. But before it does so, all of these metal bars bend and curl themselves inward into a very tight knot of sparking and sizzling metal. And the way is clear. Oh, okay. Well, shoot. There goes my nice sitting place. (laughs) Good thing you weren't still in it. (laughs) Yes, correct. Correct. Been sitting. Look, it was. Forever. It was an idea. It may not have been a good idea, but <laughs> you know, ideas. Yeah. Uh, Noise-wise, right. the echo of screeching metal and this crash of the cart—it's pretty loud. And you mm-hmm. suspect that if there are things further down this passage, probably heard it. But that's a problem for future you. Yeah. Yeah. No. I- gonna you know bask in the in, we did a thing yeah, yeah. good work notably so uh alabaster when the cart was placed on the rails um 
he looked at you say skip zach yeah i'm skip he he looked at skip in the cart and was struck by some long forgotten memory and froze in place when everybody was pushing the cart and still has not been shaken from the trance hey hey, uh hey Allie. hey (laughs) hey i i poke you (laughs) and his he he seems to be shaken awake um as though he had planned on walking forward and then gets a gets his bearings as to where everybody suddenly is and there's a look of confusion and then acceptance and he says let's go friendship friendship at present a complete powerful cart over the treasure (laughs) your thing yeah Yeah. that's what it is everybody just gives an enthusiastic thumbs up alabaster looks at everybody else's reaction you understand him yeah friendship is a cart let's go (laughs) and that's the name of the episode Okay, so on the other side of this tangle of rails or whatever had been placed there, you find more evidence of something has happened here. There was very clearly a conflict or a fight of some kind. You find scattered bits of feathers and blood smeared over the bricks and scattered about uh, a number of arrows. These are... Uh, typical arrows you would find in the Howling City. So they're not made with wood, because you don't know what wood is. But uh, they would have a sort of composite or you know, fiberglass core made of basically whatever light material they could find and then fletched with a pretty striking red air, uh, like red feather. And the tip appears to be maybe obsidian or some other stone that has been napped into a wicked edge. Hey, have we seen feathers recently? Like down here? Uh, This is the first you're seeing of them. Okay. They're remarkably pretty. Uh, The the avian things that you found before that were all burned to a crisp were more of a dingy, dark gray color than this red. So it's unlikely okay. that they were fletched from those. You do also... Uh, there's a number of these arrows that are broken or have otherwise struck hard enough targets to shatter, but some of them landed in the dirt or... Uh, judging by the blood on them, were ripped out of corpses or otherwise survived their flight. And you are able to obtain uh, seven red fletched arrows. Awesome. Are there? Is there's no bow or anything that would fire these arrows around? Doesn't look like the bow is here. No. Ah, curses. <laughs> You'll just have to throw them at your enemies. That would be useful. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't you worry. I, you know. I didn't train for this. You but... took the uh, the monk folk eye that lets you uh, use arrows a as a monk weapon, right? <laughs> I'm not a monk. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, that's what you're able to find on your sort of initial pass through here. No corpses, but 
definitely evidence that somebody was trying to make some. Yeah, must have been a really terrible shot. Well, considering they're striking, I think that um, Alabaster's going to attempt to remember something about them and roll a, a no check. Okay. Um, eight. Yeah. So, uh, you crouch down next to one of these feathers and try to identify, like, the species or the origin point of it. You're not able to pin down the exact name of the bird it came from, but if you had to guess just based on the size of the feathers and the sweep and other ornithological characteristics that I definitely know about and I'm not bullshitting, <laughs> uh, this would likely be a like a local bird. Uh short distance flights not like a long migratory uh sort of situation right so whatever whatever it is it came from the howling city but more than that is tough to say okay the fact that it is so bright and striking is itself interesting because there's not a lot of brightly colored wildlife in the howling city and that, that's something that would strike everybody, right? Yeah, they would yes. see red feathers and think, what the hell did that come from? Exactly, yeah. Uh, I would say, if nothing else, the fact that you can't identify the bird is probably the one of the more interesting characteristics of these feathers. Yeah, Alabaster feels um, confused. Um, and he, he, he says to the party, I've read many many a book on the natural sciences and creatures of this world and a feather of this kind and of particularly this color is i'm sure you can all tell very abnormal very strange and he's like um he's wildly hungry to find out what exactly this came from okay yeah uh um, one second here. There's a couple I have... broken arrows if you want to collect a couple feathers for your, uh, yeah. put them in your journal. <laughs> Just he, kidding, uh, you don't have a journal. Feather that I might have that help. <laughs> he, he ties them um, to the pan flute that he carries with him. Ah. So yes, uh, you were each able to smuggle uh, one small object with you when you were taken prisoner and... Uh, through bribery or trickery, you are able to keep a hold of this object, even as all of your otherworldly possessions were taken from you. Uh, so it sounds like, Alabaster, you have a set of pan flutes. Uh, I believe, uh, Skip, you were able to secure a tinderbox, which is mm -hmm. uh, no small feat, given its utility. Yep always nice to have a fire uh Narek, what uh what were you able to secret away on your person uh while you were being taken into custody i, I was gonna say a knife but i don't know if that was gonna be allowed so they're pretty thorough about weapons so it would you could probably get like the 
like the hilt of a knife or something equally kind of dubiously useful, but uh, concealing an entire blade would be tricky. Fair enough. Um, what about some... Uh, uh, what about uh, one thing of... Uh, oh, I can't think of the name of them. Uh, that you put on your, your uh, hands or whatever. Um, I can't think of the name. Um, you put on your hands? Snuggles? What? Brass knuckles? Like brass knuckles, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That would be okay. small and innocuous enough that you would be able to yeah. pass it off as something else or hide it. Yeah. Yeah, so you're able to... <laughs> you have half a set of brass knuckles. Uh, yeah. It's it's really a shame because I like to imagine that the full set has like some phrase engraved across both sets, but when you yes, only have yes. half of it, it's like it's yeah, not as interesting anymore. It's just like yeah, it would be like having a set of brass knuckles that say like Pride and Prejudice, but all you have is prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just is like, yeah, it's it's weird that he has like racist brass knuckles. <laughs> what, where do you prejudice against? <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, you are all able to uh, pass through this battlefield. A, a battlefield is what, maybe overselling what is, it. Uh, wait, what does uh, Michiban have? Oh, yes. Uh, Michi, what were you able to smuggle out of Sharoon? The sound of silence. Well, I was able to... Grab a water skin. Very nice. What's in it? Nothing. It's empty. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, a very useful tool. Many, many, many people have been laid low uh, by thirst long before a sword was able to find their heart. Yep. <laughs> Just should have put something in it. Oh, well. <laughs> There wasn't time, you know. It, it slipped your mind. You had a lot going on that day. It's very busy. busy. Yeah, yeah, it happens. I'm sure you'll find something to put in there. And then uh, thirty episodes from now, we're gonna look back and be like, "Hey, remember when we were gonna fill that water skin and we never did?" Yep. <laughs> I can't play a drunk every game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chekhov's water skin at work. <laughs> And we've already got um, what's his name? C Cyrus. Yeah, he had a gun, right? He, he, he had one of the guns. Okay. Uh, so, so this is a good time to bring it up. Um, you are in a place where things like guns and advanced technology are finicky at best, uh, because of an ambient field of chaos that permeates much of the universe, known as drift. Things like guns tend to malfunction or work less than perfectly. So they are sort of rare items that are usually require a lot of maintenance. And you would never outfit an entire army with guns. It would just be impractical and stupid. Wouldn't but, they be more like status symbols is kind of what I'm thinking? Oh, yeah. They would be yeah. highly ornamental and sought after as like, a, oh, look at me. I have a gun. I've got yeah. a cod piece. Yeah. 
uh, Cyrus's gun in particular uh, is what is known as Lord Blessed, which is yes. it has ornate sigils across the outside, and it has a script in an unknown alien language that is apparently a prayer to or from the Lord of Gold that in some ways protects the weapon from degradation at the hands of Drift. So there okay. are... So it is a pretty valuable item, and you suspect that Cyrus is likely not the original owner of that piece, just given how nice it is. Um, <laughs> he didn't win it in a card game, is that what you're asking? Yeah, it's, it's unlikely that the other person in that card game will ever play cards again. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, something of that caliber, pun intended, would likely be enough to win the freedom of a single condemned prisoner. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But that in the back of my mind. Uh, yeah, a difficult proposition, given that Cyrus also has a button that makes your head explode. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, tricky situation, but certainly not one that has been uh, has gone unattempted in the past. The mortality rate of salvage crew wardens is notoriously high. Uh, if the prisoners don't get them, the wilderness will. So you're telling but, me that my survive zero skill check is not going to keep me from getting my hand exploded? <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately, neither will an agility save. <laughs> uh, so as you carry on through the small bit of your scattered arrows and drips of blood here and there. The tunnel begins to wind off in one direction. And you can see through the side of it, a segment has fallen away, uh, sort of abruptly crumbled. And beyond this wall, you can hear a sort of low rumbling noise and what appears to be a pretty steep drop into a pit or an abyss. There's a warm wind coming up from these depths that has a strange, almost acidic scent to it. Okay, I'm thinking we don't jump. Just saying. (laughs) In case anybody's thinking about it, I don't think... Jumping into total darkness, best idea. Maybe not. Uh, Also, what catches your attention as you are pondering this pit is up ahead, you can hear a sort of scuffling and scraping and what sounds like a voice. A voice that's speaking or just... Uh, You can't really discern what they're saying. Uh, you can pick up the occasional syllable or, you know, intentionally formed sound, but to your ears, it definitely sounds like sort of squawking and jabbering and uh, almost like a muttering. Uh, one sound you do hear repeated occasionally in this uh, distant echoing cacophony is Gabada. 
You and you hear this called out almost in like a questioning or uh, pensive way, like a Gabada, Gabada, Gabada. Maybe somebody lost somebody. You know. Yeah. Maybe they're looking for for Gabada. You know. Could be. Uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, the hit sequel to Waiting for Godot. Yeah, looking for Gabata. Yeah. <laughs> Got tired of waiting. Yeah. Uh, what would you like to do? I really want to make a table for Hom in a joke, but that's okay. <laughs> it does sound um, like this voice is getting closer. <clears throat> well, not really a place to hide. And there's no really light a place to hide. And it's not like we really have a way to prepare, defend ourselves. If So... As far as hiding goes, um, there are, like, chunks of rubble and other discarded carts and things like that that you could probably endeavor to squeeze behind or... Hey, look, you got another place to sit. This one's in much worse shape than the last one you used to ram. It has very clearly been the victim of, like, a head-on collision with something and is crumpled up like a can. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I will not try to sit then. <laughs> um, but I'm the one holding the torch, so maybe everybody else hides and please save me. Um, <laughs> if there is trouble, it could just be somebody lost, you know. Is there a spot in the rubble where, like, they're walking up where I could kind of, like, get the jump on them if when they see, uh, when they engage, um... Skip Skipernicus yeah. that I could like, you know, yeah, if things go south. Okay. I would say so. Uh, just right. sort well, that's of looking I'm, over. That's where yeah. I'm going to go. Uh, you... I'm going to put my brass knuckle on. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get prejudiced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Specifically, what you are describing to me sounds like an execution attack. Um, so this is uh, one of the many actions you can take. Essentially, like a it's like a silent takedown on an unaware enemy, or you know somebody who's got their back turned to you. You can sneak up on them and you know next snap. Um, so. Typically, um, typically these execution attacks require a weapon of some kind. Um, I would say that given the like rubble around you and you know, things here and there, you could use an arrow as a stabbing implement here or like a, a chunk of rock as a club or something of that nature. So it the, should be the real question fun. here. Is yeah. if he makes contact, does it make the law and order sound? <laughs> <laughs> I, I motion to Scopernicus to give me an arrow. Oh, yeah, okay, sure, yeah. All right. Yeah, so I got an arrowhead ready. All right. You all scuttle into mm-hmm. hiding. Skip, are you staying out in the open? Yeah, I'll stay on the open. I'm the one with the torch, so sure. I don't really want to put it out and hide. Sure, sure. Uh, a couple minutes pass hearing this uh, 
scuffling and scraping noise glow, grow closer. You start to hear a sort of tick, 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 tack of feet against the bricks, but not necessarily the sort of soft, fleshy feet that you would expect on a person. Mm. And about 30 seconds later, something dark and hunched uh, rustles and scurries its way into view, rounding the corner drawn to the sight of this light. And it looks to be one of these small avian creatures. Oh. Uh, this one in particular is wearing a kind of crude bandolier uh, around its chest, which has a number of shiny trinkets and badges affixed to it. Like, imagine, if you will, a humanoid raven wearing a Boy Scouts uniform. <laughs> but uh, okay. also in the post-apocalypse <laughs> and um judging by the the weapon at its side a sort of dagger with multiple serrated edges and a hooked tip this is a creature that is used to performing violence in its offhand it has um a metal tin that it's been shaking and what's peculiar about it is that when it shakes this tin, there's the sound very faintly of bells. And as it was rounding the corner, shaking this tin, calling out Gabada, it's, uh, it stops when it spots you, Skip, standing there with your torch. Uh, very clearly not a, uh, not Gabada. a Gabada. And uh, yeah. definitely not one of the... Uh, small bird-like creatures and it makes a squawking harsh little screech of surprise and uh brandishes its knife uh when it brandishes a knife then i i move in to okay kill so well. uh execution attack uh basically the way this works is that the target's armor class is irrelevant um and melee execution attack always hits. It's assumed that you know you're able to hit a target that's standing still. So uh, all you have to do here is just roll a uh, or oh uh, excuse me, I roll a physical saving throw at a penalty equal to the attacker's combat skill level. So what is your melee or punch or stab? Uh, stab. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, it should be one. Oh, yeah, wow. Fails horribly. Uh, you are able to just clonk this thing on the head with a rock uh, without any significant with an arrow. Yeah, oh, yes, that's right. You uh, you sweep up from behind, uh, kind of grapple it, and jam an arrow into its neck, and there is a horrible gurgle, and it thrashes around a little bit, and then flops over lifelessly. You have Let's... obtained a dagger and a can of bells. Ooh. Yeah, I, I take the dagger and then... <laughs> First time I've seen an arrow used like that. Nice. Yeah, I, I pull the arrow out and I kind of wipe it off and then I hand it back and say thanks. <laughs> well, hey, they, thank um, you. I mean, kept me from getting stabbed. Alabaster gets his painful out and starts playing... ba 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 Wow, 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 wow. 
Law and Order theme song for those. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, I don't think we should take the bells. These are what, their stories. <laughs> yeah. These are the stories of those thrown into the pit. They appear magical, or they just look like normal bells. You could toss him into the pit and see what happens. Uh, so when you open up the tin to look at them, they look like uh, small kind of sleigh bells. Essentially, uh, the tin wow. is full of about five of them, and they don't seem immediately magical to your reckoning. But things seldom appear as they first seem. You didn't see any magical effect while they were being rattled. What if we each take a bell and then if we're in trouble, we jingle it? There's five of us. Sure. Uh, And I kind of take take a bell and just like shove it at whoever is next to me like, huh? You see? (laughs) Huh? Bell? uh... He's on grunts and ascent. You're not going to want to play with them, are you? No. <laughs> Jeez, come on. <laughs> All right. You know, it's a very important tracking mechanism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Alvester, you distribute um, the bells. Ties one to his pan flute. Dang, that thing's getting pimped out. Oh, yeah. All right. You have successfully slain your very first enemy in World Without Number. Hooray. What would you like to do now? Level up. Boy, is that one? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Level three. What would you like? Oh, well, that's what I would like. Well, uh, well, I would like a chariot and a gun <laughs> and a castle. In real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, um, so is the only like way the forward idea. is... I like the idea of throwing the body into the pit, seeing what happens, but I also like the idea of just not bothering with it. Because this <laughs> no, thing does not look very... Uh... Just don't even want to worry about the pit at all. Well, I mean, the body more than anything. These things do not look very savory. Yeah. Not a lot it, of meat know. on those bones. Yeah, not not the best eaten. Also, they might have been sentient, and what really is cannibalism nowadays? I'd like to not get involved in that. Yeah, so. cannibalism is a tricky well, what's subject. The, what's the <clears throat> point of cannibalism anymore? There isn't. <laughs> what? It, why would why would we frown upon it? Would it be oh, taboo anymore? Forbidden. Is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. If, it's for a lot of people. Cannibalism can be more of a pragmatic decision these days. Um, it would be seen as weird to dispose of a perfectly good body without getting some use out of it. Right. Most people do not eat human flesh directly because there can be adverse effects. Essentially, the biggest problem with cannibalism is that you don't know where that's been. Get it out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know over the long and storied, you know, a 50-year lifespan of a human being you don't know how many curses they've been exposed to or extra planar magics that have been infused into their bones or maybe they spent some time wading through a super toxic coolant. Uh, eating strange corpses on the side of the road is a very good way to end up 
grievously sick or afflicted with some kind of terrible blood rot. So it can be dicey. You typically want to like run it by your general practitioner and get a clean bill of health for your corpse before you dig in. Alabaster, um, <laughs> when the when talk of the body first comes up, he he looks at it uh, almost longingly, um, and when the idea that it would be thrown into the pit is is thrown out there, he he almost panics. There's visi- like his face up until this point has been just stoic, and he suddenly seems to care about something now, um, but. Uh, so, so he says, "Is that is that really what we should do with such um, a useful tool?" A what? It, a I useful mean, it's dead. tool. It's dead. And there's wow. so much that we can do with it now that it's dead. Dude, I don't know what your thing is, so you <laughs> tell me. <laughs> like, it's. <laughs> Just forget it. Just do what you will with it. Um, but what do you want to do with it? There's nothing I can do with it. <laughs> oh, get back okay. to me when I'm level two. I still, I still hate <laughs> that we can't. That nothing can be done with it. Well, I see I mean, so much it, potential. Look, I just as. A former professional hunter's opinion: This thing ain't good for eating. So, I agree. What? What? what, there, there really ain't that much to be done with it. Really At this isn't? point, I agree. Yes, there's nothing more that we can do. We should okay. move forward. Okay. All right. Sure. Before we go. All right. The tunnel widens out. Uh, tunnel widens out quite a bit here from about like 30 feet to 60 or 70. And you can see uh, more of these carts, uh, the ones that float on the rails, a couple of them intact. And uh, one of them even sort of sitting on the rails off to the side. Okay, uh, is there anything in these carts, or are they all just empty? They look like they've been pretty thoroughly stripped of stuff. What's interesting about this one that you see over here floating on this rail is it looks like someone has been doing some uh, like patchwork repairs to it. Okay, okay. Huh. Uh, how long ago or the exact nature of which is hard to tell. Up ahead, you do hear more sounds, though, and uh, more of these jabbering voices, and uh, they echo off the rock and filter up to you. It's hard to say exactly how far away, but definitely uh, within a couple minutes' walk if you wanted to get a peek. Um... Yeah, I mean, I'd like to carefully see what's going on. I don't want to just walk into their nest. That sure. seems like a problem, but... Um, I believe there is a skill for that. Sneak? 
Sneak skill, yeah. Yeah, if you want to give me like a sneak dex. Okay. Uh, that's a total of 10. Okay. Yeah, you are uh, cat-like in your agility as you prowl up along the ruined tunnel. And as you round the corner, you can see that these rails wind their way along towards what appears to be a building or a station or some kind of a transition point where the tunnel goes from these large arching bricks to uh, steel and structure. And clearly you're entering some kind of complex. At the entrance to this edifice, there is what appears to be a camp. There are two tents that have been set up along one of the walls and evidence of a campfire that has long since gone out. The reason you can see all of this, though, is that there are three of these avian creatures uh, sort of prowling through the camp and picking it apart. One of them is playing with a lantern, and another one appears to have just taken out a glowing blue bottle from a discarded backpack. And they're all jabbering excitedly amongst each other and uh, scrabbling and scraping and fighting over the odds and ends that they are picking through here. And I, I think that is where we will pause for now. Okay. I've been Waffle, your GM for this first foray into the Shattered Cosmos. Joining me, we had... Daniel playing Alabaster. Hey, ho. Hi, you're seeing as Michigan. I'm Zach, and I play Skip Wickham's. I'm Matt, and I play Nerd Shakespeare. Where can we be found? Find us at thealchemist underscore club on Twitter, and at the Alchemist Club on TikTok, and what the Alchemist uh, Club eighty eight at gmail.com and the Alchemist something underscore club 88 at gmail yeah i think like i think like any variation of those all work yeah you, you use alchemist club in 88 and there's something <laughs> some way you can contact us all right thank you all for listening and until next time <laughs>